Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, and it's Mondays, so you know what happens on Mondays. It's Mondays with McCool, joined by James McCool, pay dirt underscore DFS on Twitter, the co-author with me of the theory of daily fantasy sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass. You can pick up at theoryofdfs.com. I see all the people in chat. Suki Singh, Zach Cobbs, Wu, J-Train, Doug Montgomery, Matt Mears, Jerome Lewis, uh, Joe Mack, 58, Apocalypse, Ryan Taylor, Tony P, Sky 33. Uh, I see you all. Feel free to ask your questions. We, we're tackling strategy, as always, DFS strategy here on the show. It tends to get repetitive, but whatever. But me and James are here to, uh, to you can pick our brains, GPP, cash games, bankroll management, whatever, whatever you want. Right, it's it's just like the course, uh, James. I'm I've been getting up earlier since three days ago because now I'm playing the the Euros soccer, which uh, brutal, brutal, and it's soccer. Soccer DFS is so much better when like there's like five or six games and they all happen at the same time, but now Euros they space them all out and it's just like the World Cup. I mean, the World Cup was fine. It's just that you got to get up at eight in the morning. And check the starting lineup of the first 9 a.m. game. And then you have to figure out who's going to play in the, the later two games. And then plan in your mind, well, if this guy isn't going to be in, then I'm going to switch to that. Right? And then you have to, and depending on the teams, you're like, some of these teams rotate. Sometimes you don't know who's going to be the forward in a, a national team. So, like, even the backups are good. So, they rotate. And they have five subs now because of COVID. So now even, even half the team could get subbed out in the middle of the game. So you don't even know what's going to happen then. But uh, getting getting up early in the morning, you're more of a morning person. You're way more of a morning person than I am. Uh, what what do you what, what is your routine in the morning to prepare? We talk a lot about, like me, I don't, as far as like building lineups, like I don't really know anything of what I'm going to do until like an hour or so before the slate. And you're dealing prim- you're dealing with your own models. Me, I'm using, I'm, you know, I'm using like Cardi's backed, right? Yeah. Like I don't have to, I don't have to like like look at anything. It's like, okay, just wait for the lineups, the starting lineups to come out. You may strategize in your head throughout the day, but what do you do like the first thing in the morning? I mean, it's not like I don't look at the slate, but like I'm just kind of looking at an overview of like, oh, what's most likely gonna be? Okay, I get a sense of what's going on, but what had you wake up so much earlier than you you're two hours earlier than me as already time zone wise. Yeah. Yet you're still probably up three hours before I even get up at the yeah. same exact time. So what do you do in the morning? Uh, so even though I'm running my own models and even though I am putting in all of the data and everything like that, uh, one of the beauties about building models is that you can automate them. So a lot of my work is automated in that after I have compiled all of the data, I can just run the data. Like I, I can just run my models at that point. Um, so with have MLB. Button, do you have a run model button? Just wake up in the morning and press the button? Go back yeah. to sleep? Yeah, no, literally. Yeah, I, I have a button that just says, go for it. And, it. and it runs all my scripts. And then I have another button that says, go for it. And it, it runs my models. Um, there so are the new data, like obviously the day the days games from before, like you're scraping and adding that new data in. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I have, uh, I think it's like 20 scripts that I run to compile all the data. Um, compiling data takes around maybe 25, 30 minutes, something like that. Um, and then I'll start simulations based on when the games are going to start. I, I mean, typically I don't run simulations until, uh, I don't know, probably if there's an 11 a.m. slate, then I have to start earlier and then I have to start running simulations around 730 in the morning. But uh, if there's not a slate until five, like today, there's nothing else going on today. So I can take a little bit of time and I'll go in and I'll tweak some models and I'll go and I'll do some back testing and I'll go in and maybe I'll update some things that only have to be updated like once a week because with hitter stuff, since I use shorter samples, I have to update that every single day. I have to run those scripts every single day. But with some pitcher metrics, you know, like expected home run, my, my X home run per nine stat, I only have to update that once every four days. So I, I can save that until a little bit later and stuff like that. But really, if we're being honest, a lot of my morning comes down to getting my mental right and doing a lot of de-stressing and, and like doing things that I know that I'm not going to be able to do throughout the day and getting my head warmed up. So what I wake up. What are those types of things that you're doing? I, I'm How gonna, much stress do you have in the morning that you need to de-stress? Oh, bro, I'm a dad and I run eight models a day. You think I don't have stress that I have to deal with? Because you're not just doing MLB. You're doing uh, for NBA playoffs. Yeah. So, but you're, you don't do soccer though. I do not do soccer. No, I should because soccer is basically, it just feels like hockey, but I, I have not done soccer yet. Yeah, um, you wouldn't be, no, I don't think, see that here's a question for you here. here this, this is a good, good, good thing since the euros I'm, I'm trying to promote DFS soccer. A little sure. Bit. Sure. Some more action in the lobby. Uh, and they, and they're good. They're good sweats. They're good. Yeah. Uh, soccer, you know, we're big into projections, right? We talk about simulations and projections and models, yes. and yeah. especially for a sport like NBA, right? Very much more linear. Now for MLB, just the range of outcomes is wide, but it's still it's still you can model it better yeah. in soccer. Like I'm not even saying specifically for the Euros, which we'll get into why that may even be tough. the The way teams play at certain game states. Mm -hmm. against certain other teams like have such a small sample size like how would how would you be able to model like how many crosses tackles won and chances created a certain team uh playing a three four three facing a three a four three one two but it's not just the formations they're also being like well they're starting a rookie fullback yeah or or the the, the favored team doesn't have their star striker in. So like now that the, the second, which is not a bad striker, but not, not the same as the first, like, how do you like, Oh, you oh, we, we're going to predict. You can't just superimpose stats and go, whoever starts up top of this team automatically gets this. Like how, how is how to me, like, how is it possible to really model soccer that well? I think it's, it's, it's to me, it's, I, I find it more similar to NFL. Okay, but the problem with with soccer is that the stats are inconsistent. Like NFL, mm -hmm. there are distinct plays and opportunities. Mm -hmm. So you could say, like, like we we have an NFL where uh, backup running back is in, right? And you can just predict like a seventy percent carry share, and they're they're going to run the ball like eighteen times. Yeah, maybe they run the ball fourteen, maybe they run the ball twenty two times, but it's 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 not going to be zero. It's going to be he's going to get he may not be efficient. Right, he got fourteen for thirty-four, and that's it. 
Yeah, you've got or, Brian or, Hill. He's he's going to touch the ball 15 times. Dude, right. He might get six yards, but he'll touch the ball 15 Right, times. or you have wide receivers. Like, okay, there's going to be, you know, that the median amount of plays in the game is going to be 128, right, between the both teams. And then this, like, you could section off this, this and set different things. In soccer, like, like one like one card or one goal early like just like you might as well just throw out your entire model at that point mm-hmm. and then depending on the starting lineups like you're gonna look and go especially in evenly matched up games go like it's quite possible that one team decides to just play on the counter just this game against that side. like how how do you possibly model that and then we have for the euros like i'm just talking about club soccer I'm just talking about like the Premier League or Champions League. You have, these teams play 38 games yeah. plus the mid plus you know they have other games. These national teams, they 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 play two friendlies. That and the last time before the friendlies they played was four months ago with different with different players. Yeah, right. With like it's not even the same play. Like half the team is rotated because they're trying out this guy and that guy in this formation. So how do you get into the group stage of, of the Euros and go, well, I'm going to be able to, I'm going to be able to model Poland versus Slovakia and, and go, well, uh, are they going to play with a back four, back three, or are you not even going to know? And then just like, how, how, like how, how, how do you do, how do you do that? Cause it's not just predicting like goals and assists. Mm-hmm. Right. And you could use like Vegas lines, the anytime goal scorer odds, are not that efficient but at least it's something yeah but like all the peripheral stats that come into soccer like that's why like in soccer dfs the 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 most the the highest floor players that people play are set piece takers because you could predict you could median like the number of corner kicks and free kicks a team will get mm-hmm. and then typically on a team there's like one or maybe two guys that are responsible for those plays and that typically results in a cross or a shot or a chance created hence dfs points so we look and you go oh peter zelinski is going to be on a majority of set pieces for poland he's 6600 his median's probably 10 to 12 uh he's going to be popular at that at that at that price and then but you look at the rest of the team it's like how you're supposed to know if matthias click versus uh versus uh Gregor Krakowiak in the midfield, it's like, dude, either the, these guys score like one or two goals like a season for yeah. the clubs, they, and they come from the back. It's like, how do you predict an assist? And they're most likely not going to get crosses. They play in the middle of the field. So it's like, how, how do you predict the number of tackles won against Slovakia, who the last time that Poland played Slovakia was six years ago with, with other players? Like, so, so tell me, like, we have soccer projections at RG, but they're highly variant. Yeah, because this I, I I can't see how 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 you could model soccer uh, on a matchup based level other than possession. So my my first answer is that you can't. Well, you um, can't. You obviously don't do it. Well, no, 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 no. So, like, let let me like say why I say. This. When you are taking something that is super variant like that and something where you don't have realistic matchups and you don't have good samples and you don't even really know who is going to be playing the game, there's only there's a very specific few things that you can model 
when you are putting together projections. You mentioned set pieces. So like, that's one thing where like, you can put together a median and say, okay, this is relatively consistent, like concerning everything else. Um, but like, you don't know what's going to happen in the mid. You don't know how many guys are going to score. Like, you don't know a lot of these random variables. Um, and that randomness, I think that when people try to model it, and RG's projections are probably fine, and, you know, Osmo's projections are probably fine. But like you said, they're highly variant. And the reason for that is because when you try to model something that is based on random binomials, like, you can't actually model it. So you can put together something that is usable. You can put together something that is going to be able to give you some sort of guide that is probably going to be a top-down model based on Vegas, based on implied goal totals, based on, you know, people taking shots and stuff like that. But you can't ever really capture in the same way that you can for NBA. In NBA, we talk a lot about NBA and, and how it is something that you can project relatively easily. Like the, the models make sense. It's a very linear model with something like soccer or with NHL, my approach to it is not to project it. Um, I have NHL models, but I do not have NHL projections. And the reason for that is because I think that so much of it comes down to the randomness that happens on any given action in the game, that trying to project that and trying to say, here is something, here's my best guess at how many goals uh, this guy is going to score, you know, and, uh, Sam Burns or whoever, like trying to project those things is exceptionally difficult. And I don't think that I could be accurate enough. And I think that it is very difficult to be accurate enough on them to make them useful. What I do instead is I put together a ranking system that ranks things that do matter when it comes to fantasy point ceilings. So instead of trying to predict how many goals somebody is going to score, I would rather try to put together a median projection of how many shots on goal they take. Uh, like in NHL, we have high danger and medium danger and low danger shots. So I will try to put together a model that takes guys who um, are typically getting a lot of time on ice, typically getting a lot of assists, typically getting a lot of high danger shots because high danger shots have a significantly higher chance of scoring goals than low danger and medium danger shots. Um, I care a lot about guys who are getting a lot of total points for their team. So instead of trying to predict how many assists plus goals somebody is going to get, I just want to take guys who have a high percentage of their team's goals and assists per minute on the ice. So I'm doing a lot of modeling to try to find opportunity where, and that's the way that I would approach soccer as well. I would be wanting to look for guys who get a lot of crosses or a lot of uh, assist opportunities or goal opportunities or set pieces, stuff like that. I would want, I would want to be modeling towards guys who actually have the opportunity to, to get lucky, right? It's the same thing that you and I talk about with DFS. You want to put yourself in position to benefit from the luck of the slate. I look at super highly variant sports like NHL and soccer the same way. I just want to be able to identify the guys who put themselves in the best chance to get lucky in any given game environment. And then when you're, when you're looking at like matchups, you can't, you can't like take Poland versus, uh, versus Sweden or whatever matchup who played six years ago. Like you can't take that individual game environment, but you can take how often Poland allows X, Y, or Z compare it against the league average and then give them 
a regressive boost that other teams can take advantage of. I do that a lot in League of Legends. Like I know that the mid laner for, I don't know, EDG uh, suppresses opposing mid lane fancy points per minute by like 6% or something, because I can take their averages and I can take what their opponents have done, compare it against league averages and then develop an odds regression so that I can then know how many fancy points I should expect and what boost to apply to the other mid laner and apply it to their fancy point per minute stats. I would do the same thing for soccer where like that matchup that you were talking about in mid, uh, how often does that guy allow successful tackles and then compare that against league averages and then apply that boost towards the other mid laner. And then that's, that's what I would do. So I, I think that when it comes to developing models for these super highly variant sports like soccer or NHL, uh, I prefer to look at it as trying to project opportunities and not project actual outcomes because the, these non-binomial distributions that we deal with in these sports are just, I, I mean, they're, they're random, like it's randomness. Right. So like, when, when you talk about th- those type of distributions, we're not talking about, we're not talking about normal one. Like we're not talking about a belt, like you can project yeah. bell curves easy. It's just when, when you look at the distribution and it has, it has no, no discernible it is no like sometimes it's here and then it's there and then it's i mean like yeah like what 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 does the median or mean mean it doesn't when that the distribution looks like that it's just it's well there's the middle the I, I, today it could be one it could be 16 it could be right. whatever the problem i have in soccer and i you know you know me i'm i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna say i'm gonna say the thing that that i hate when people say yeah uh, you got to watch the games. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the the I think the inputs are much more subjective. Like in NFL, you have to put you you still have to put your subjectivity to it because you're gonna have to put you're gonna have to input target share, right? You're gonna you go I based on their pet like because what ends up happening is that a receiver's out, right, or something, or they're gonna run the ball more, and then you have to go like, well, they have less passing plays, but is is this guy going to get more of the ball? Is that guy? And then you're like, I'm going to just uh, 26% for this and 19%. And you're the kind of ballpark. Yeah. You know, you're kind of just making an educated guess on what the middle ground is. Well, in soccer is the same way. Like you could do all your models you want. Like, but once that starting 11 comes out an hour before the game in a soccer game and you go, uh, you, you go, uh, uh, well, this guy start like, we, we have a lot of times that fullbacks fullbacks are typically the defenders that you target in, in DFS soccer when you play defender. Okay. Uh, uh, Cause you have to roster two of them because they're more likely to cross because they play out wide. Typically on drafting soccer, the wider players are the more valuable ones because you can only cross from wide positions. Uh, but there are fullbacks that like they on the formation, you'd look and you go, Oh, that guy, that guy, it's a $3,600 fullback. I should play that guy. Not realizing that, based on the way that that team plays like that guy ain't getting forward. Like he's play, he's playing more as a, he, they're not going to be going up that wing. They're not going to be overlapping on that side. Now, if this other fullback was in the other guy, like he's an attacking for, he's an attacking fullback and he's going to go forward. So people, you know, you look and you go, Oh, this guy's playing in a central attacking midfield role. He's a playmaker. And they go, no, the way this team plays is that they go up the wings so much. And this guy actually backs like, like you almost have to know the teams in order to do that. We have like Spain today. Spain's the biggest favorite against Sweden. Uh, or we have like, oh, Lewandowski. I'm using soccer examples because it's happening. 
but I just, I'm, I'm trying to describe this concept that you can apply to other sports. We have Robert Lewandowski, who's a forward for Poland. He's $12,000 on DraftKings. He's the most expensive player. He only has a plus 110 goal scoring odds. The reason why he's priced at 12K is because he plays for Bayern Munich and they just fucking left his price that way. I mean, like, like but Poland isn't as good. But Bayern Munich could, would crush Poland. So like, like Lewandowski just happens to be the best player for Poland, but Poland in and of itself is not a good team. So he shouldn't be 12K. So you, but you shouldn't be modeling it based on any of his club stats or anything like that. And then you take, then you take a look at Spain. They're the biggest favorite on the slate. And if you model Spain, you, you're going to sit there and you go, where, how do they score three goals and score no points? Because Spain, not to, not to, not to make fun of Spanish people, but they tend to be shorter. Mm-hmm. They don't like, they don't cross the ball that much. And they, they hold possession. They're, they have a very strong midfield. And they'll hold the ball for 75% of the game with little passes here, 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 setting up. They'll, they'll get nine shots in the whole game, have the ball for 75% of it. And if they score two goals, it's like, if you have those two goals, sure, you got the points. But other than that, you're sitting there, you're playing their fullbacks. You're playing Jordi Albert, 6,300 going is this guy ever going to like you? You're watching the game going that tons of accurate passes, those point ones, you know, yeah, great. You get a nice two, two points in that. But like without what, without watching the games, without knowing the teams, like you could seriously get into trouble by just going in and going, well, I'm just going to look at any time goal scoring odds and just assume peripheral points goes along with them. There's some teams that are horrible that for DFS purposes are, are, are great. We had a, a couple of years ago, Kieran, when Kieran Trippier was on uh, Burnley. Burnley's a horrible team. Yeah. But the horrible teams cross more. So all Burnley would do is just go down the wings and cross the ball like 46 times a game. So you have a fullback that like just, he's on the worst team and he's he's the 6K fullback getting 20 points every game. Never scoring a goal, not getting an assist or anything. It just the way that they play. But once you took it, if you replaced him with another fullback, you don't just go, Oh, he's, it's not like NBA where you could just like, Oh, it's, it's a three K guy. That's going to get X amount of minutes or whatever. It's like, no, that if Trippier's not in, he's not going to do the same thing. They're going to go, they're going to play differently or the, the, the left back is going to take care of. I mean, like, like to me, those things are so subjective. And especially since you don't even get the starting lineups until an hour before kickoff, like, how effective is modeling in, in that in that type of environment? I think individual modeling would be fine. I think it'd be fine because like with the with those guys at that point, like if you do a top-down model on the team, then yeah, you're gonna miss that stuff. Because you can't like you, you can't apply the same per cross stuff to a team that, like if a team averages this many crosses when this guy is in, but it's different when this guy is in, you'd have to change the model based on the starting lineup. And and you know, you could do that. You could do that where you could uh, have a way to like you, you have a list of starters and then you run a formula that says, if this guy is in this starting lineup for this team, then project this many crosses. And if this guy, then then project this many crosses. How many times, how many, you know, how many conditions you'll need for soccer to do something uh, like well, that? Well, no, but I'm just giving examples of like how you would model it. I, I don't Cause know. Also, Cause also to give another example, the starting forward matters we had uh, a game 
uh, Saturday that uh, what Kiefer Moore started for uh, for Wales, and he's six foot five. Like that's the, pre- the projected starting lineup for 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 Wales was Harry Wilson starting as a false nine, and a false nine in soccer means basically they're not playing with a center forward. Like they're just playing with like three guys up and there's no one, there's no target. There's no send. They love to rotate and switch around and whatever. Uh, a number nine is this classic center forward. Now, keeper Moore is a six. He's not fast. He's there. He's just big and tall. You cross the ball and he gets his head on it. Uh, if Harry Wilson is in as the false nine, obviously you have to decrease the crosses. They're not going to send the ball into a box to a five foot nine guy. Right. To get it, try to get it through the trees. But once Keeper Moore's up, now all of a sudden the value of the wide players starts going up. Like, like how, how does a model do that? Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, how complicated is it going to be that those? It seems like, oh, they're just playing a different guy up. To, well, well, that's that matters. We we know that they're more likely to do this thing now. This guy's out. Like Kevin De Bruyne's not out for uh, out for Belgium. It's like. He's the fulcrum of their entire offense. It's like they still won three nothing, right? They, they still won, but it's like how does that how does that affect every like? Well, let me take a look at the games that Kevin De Bruyne didn't play. In the past four years, there have been two of them. Like how like how how do you model based on a sample size of two? You don't. And then even with him not playing, there were still three other guys that are not in this game played in that last. And like you just throw up your hands. That's why, like, to me, soccer, I mean, I started on soccer, but soccer, to me, like, projections are, at best, a guideline. And then, you know, I, like, like I would never, never even go to the Roto-Grinders projections and, pre- and press optimal for cash games. Like, I, I like, I, I, no, I, the, you're going to lose. Sure. Like, it just, it just the, these, num- these numbers, like, they're, they're too, they're too variant. They'll project someone for five points at 2,800 and going, dude, this guy could easily score nothing. Like, or he could score, or he could score a goal and have 14, like, you're going to play that guy. Like you can't, it's like, it's like playing an MLB cash games and just picking guys that only strike out or get a home run. Yeah. Like the median may be seven, but they're going to get zero or 14 and you don't want eight of them in your lineup. Right. But soccer, if you go by like median projections, you may get a lot of that. Uh, So, I mean, this is the roundabout way. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just curious, only because, like, it's just weird that we're projection, we're, we're projections and simulations type of people. But when it comes to me playing soccer, is it just a bias? Maybe James, is it just a bias that soccer is the sport that I know the most? So I just, my bias is that, oh, you're, you're nodding ahead. Your, my bias is that the projections can't, can't possibly capture what I know. And that's, yeah. that, and that's exactly the, the false stuff that we tell other people that, oh, you, oh, you know, baseball, who cares? Just go by the numbers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you would, you could find somebody who says the exact same thing about baseball. I think you'd find somebody who says the exact same thing about NHL where, where they're just like, especially NHL, they'd be like, oh, well, like you, you don't know how this line reacts when it doesn't have Connor. I don't, I don't even, I can't name. Right. You don't know how the apps are going to play. Dude with NHL, they play with the same people. Like NHL is the NHL. There's two defensemen, there's two wingers and a center. I mean, like. Oh, no, 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 sir. No, 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 no. If the, if the abs don't have Nathan McKinnon, 
they're going to play way differently, dude. Like, if the Islanders don't have skater BCX on the second line, like that, that's that's a different second. The line. last time I the last time I knew an Islanders player, I, it was Pat Lafontaine. <laughs> I, I don't know. I followed. I don't know any of them, but but I can I can tell you that in the same way, and I, I can even relate it to Counter Strike, dude. Like, there is a different way that ninjas in pajamas play on individual maps. Now that they have Device, who is one of the best players in the world, who replaced their other opera, Knock. So Ninjas in Pajamas, the way that they used to play, the way they used to play, and they're not even used to playing with a person who is of Device's caliber yet. The way they used to play is Plopsky would go in. Plopsky? Plopsky. Plopsky goes in. He's like, he's my favorite player. He's awesome. He goes in and what he does is he will sprint in anywhere and he'll take a uh, he'll take a fight. He's he's an open fra- he's an open fragger. So what he will do of is open fragger. I knew that right. His open only fragger. job. Plopsky is an open fragger. Plopsky is an open frag. Was he so, before? Was he in the closet fragger? Uh no 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 because he would never be in the closet because the guy is just out everywhere. So, so so is is he is he like Leroy Jenkins? Is he like that? Yeah guy? yeah, yeah abs- absolutely yeah. That's the it, only thing I know about any of that. I just Leroy, know Leroy Jenkins. Jenkins. He will go in and his entire job is to be the first person into a site so that he can try to find a fight and identify where people are. And the way that this goes is he either goes in and gets two kills and secures the site or he goes in and he dies instantly. There is no chance that there's anything otherwise. He's not getting an assist. He is not putting out a smoke. He is not throwing a flashbang. His job is go in and shoot at something. And that's it. But... What used to happen was Nock would be sitting back with the op and he would be waiting for Plopsky to go in and he'd be waiting for the flashes and the smokes and all the utility to go out. And then after Plopsky dies, now Nock can go in and try to clean up. That's not what Device does. So when Plopsky goes in and does those things, Device is good enough to go in and he's good enough to actually give support to Plopsky and also take fights. So now instead of a 1v2, Plopsky's in, he's either going to die or get that double kill. Now it's a 2v2, so now the team is better. So now they play better. But the, the other part of that is Nock would just survive. Like he, he would die very, very infrequently. Device will die more, but he will also get more kills and he will also win more rounds and he'll get more impact. So that, and then like, there's other examples where like guys will, they will be relegated to different parts of the map. Like Dust2 is a map in Counter-Strike that I just despise for DFS purposes because it's really, really bad for fancy points per round. But what will happen is like, there's, there was one player, um, BN Tet, who would, he was the carry for his team he would like get the most kills, most games, but on dust two, he's relegated to the pit on B site. And so that just means he's just sitting there. Everything else is happening everywhere else, but he's not getting kills because he just has to sit in this one spot and watch this one spot and wait for people to try to go through it. And if people don't go through it and people are avoiding him, he doesn't get kills that game. And people usually wouldn't. So he would carry on other maps, but he won't carry on dust two. So like those kinds of things, although it seems harder to model in the same way that with NHL, like if more is in, they're going to have more crosses. It seems harder to model, 
but you can take and models can be pretty complicated and you can say, Oh, so this team is going to be playing dust too. Okay. B and Ted is his, his kills per average, his kills per round goes down to 0.59 when he's usually a 0.71 guy on this map. So if that map is assumed in rotation, you can change his kills per round. Yeah, but you'd and, have to know that though. Right. And you, but you can know that and you can put together algorithms that can figure those things out. But like, when you know that you can look at the stats, you, you can look at the stats for like when when like they are going to be playing these maps you can look at the stats and you can input those stats and then you yeah, can but you have out. the previous data right but you need data for everything that's yeah, why what I'm happens if there is no data that's the point that i'm making you can put that data in you can do it well for what uh, for two substitute appearances for eight minutes each i mean like what sure. what what is what what are you supposed to do you you can put it in for an odds regression, and you can and you can regress well, it against their what average. sample size. You can put it so if you have two if you have two appearances out of like ten games, then you can just odds regress based on a twenty percentile, and then you can but like so, take that eight minutes, level. eight minutes total with no touches. What? How do you? How do? You, there's nothing to regress. There's no stats. You can try. You could try. You I'm not try. saying that you'll be successful. And also remember, I'm not giving an excuse as to how you can project soccer because I already right. said you wouldn't project soccer. I'm just going through like me as a model builder, what I would try to be doing in these instances. If you have, obviously, if you have the data to do it, if the data is not there, because I didn't know the data wasn't there for that stuff. Like, well, the data is not there because the sample size is like, because the Nash is for clubs, for the club teams, I think you could do it. There's en there's enough data. You could you could regress, you know, even even three game, four game samples because it's they still play the same team. The national teams they rotate so much they don't play that often. That all all I think of is like oh, if they if they play a, a, a six foot five guy up top, they're gonna cross more. Like and then you look, it's like when's the last time that he played for the national team? It's like two years ago, eight for eight minutes. It's like what like. What am I supposed to do? Look at, oh, how much did they cross in those eight minutes? Well, maybe they didn't even have the ball for six of those minutes. Right. Maybe they were up three nothing and he's just coming in just to just uh yeah, get a run out, get a cap for the for the sure. national. I mean, like what what is that supposed to show you? Like nothing. Like it'll say that oh, they don't nothing changes. It's like it, it's obvious that something has to change. Does he play in the club games? Yeah, but you can't go by the their, their, the club. I mean, you can't you can't. So, but couldn't you take like, yeah, yes, I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to say, well, in on his on his teams, does his team does his club cross more when he's in versus yeah, the you can average build, you can of like okay, I, I see what you you're trying to extend club. I'm just trying to remove but, your bias that it's impossible to project soccer. I, there's, but, there's, but I'm I'm trying to project it in my mind. I'm trying to do the same thing that you're that you're doing. It's just that to me the data is just it's just like with Lewandowski on, on Poland. It's like you can't project him on Poland. Like he plays the same way. Like if you want to, it's it's not like it's not like uh, it's it's not like he's a center he's a center forward that faces goal like. It, it's not going to change the way he plays. It's just that on Bayern Munich, he actually has world-class players delivering him the ball. And on sure. Poland, he just has a bunch of Polish people. Sure. <laughs> right? That's the main difference. If you gave him better players, then yeah, he should be 12K. Or just yeah. like hovering around over here. It's like, so So how do you extrapolate that? So like the, to me. It's pretty hard. 
right? It's That's hard. Not, it's hard in any sport as it is, but I think in soccer it's the hardest. And the way that you play soccer DFS is not as intuitive as like NHL. Like you compare it to NHL. Yeah. NHL, you're playing lines. So you're correlating a lot more in your lineup. You're going, uh, I'm gonna play power play one on this team and line and the second line on that team, and and they have high t- you could look at the totals and okay, you you you're not gonna go like, yeah, there's probably more nuance to that, but not that much. I mean, just like in MLB. If you say look at the team totals. And on FanDuel, pick two and put four, four, and good luck. Like, you're not going to be that far off. Like, you, you could get by. Like, you could just literally do that. And you wouldn't be as bad as a lot of the lineups that I see at the bottom 20% of contests. Right. Soccer, there's like, when people are like, oh, I'm going to, when people do, I'm going to stack, I'm going to take six players from one team and then get a two one-offs because you have to play three teams. It's like, good luck, good luck, uh, yeah, yeah. Let, let's see. If, let's see if you get a five nothing game in international soccer, which, like, in, like not in these major tournaments. In the in the qualifiers, you do. And then you know when it's Spain versus you know the 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 island of Moreau or something. You know, like it's like the best. The, the the half the team are dentists during the day, right? I mean, like <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah. You'll get Germany versus Faroe Islands, and that's like an eight total, and Germany's gonna win like nine nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you're playing six guys, but like in soccer, it's not as it's not as clear cut as like, oh, well, I'm gonna just stack this and stack that. And it's like, like that one, we're we're goals in it. Uh, oh, if I pick this goal scorer, who should I play to get the assist? It's probably not a center back, but that it's probably not the center backs or the goalie. So like you got you got seven other guys to choose from. It's probably gonna come from a wide position. So now now you got now you got you got like four or five guys to choose from. Well, which one could it be? That could be anyone. Like, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? What? It could be unassisted. It could deflect. And then you never get it. You don't even get an assist. So like, what am I supposed to tell people? Like, at least anytime goal scorer odds, you could look. That's that's an actual market, right? You could probably find markets for corners and shots and stuff like that. And for the major stuff, you're not going to be able to find it for like, you know, if you play MLS or something, you know, they're not yeah. going to have those small for the world cup for the euro still have like you go to like bet 365 go to like a, a uk book like they'll have like every market possible yes yeah. i mean this is highly watched in in europe uh so you could use that as if you use like the efficient market market hypothesis and just say well i'm just going to model it based on these and act like this is these are efficient numbers like that that i could see that that i could see doing I mean, you you run. That's a slippery slope. You run into to issues with that, where if you're just gonna like, I'm just gonna go by by the betting public on on a couple of core stats, and then, well, how do I still how do I extrapolate this out to individual players? Because it's not like you could bet on individual players' crosses. Like it's not like you could bet on individual players' tackles, like the stuff in DFS. You could just bet. You could just look and like one team's uh, has has an over under nine corners and another team has an over under of three corners and you're like okay well most likely the team with nine is going to be possessing the ball more and whoever is responsible for set pieces and corner kicks well you could add 0.7 or something because they're going to be or shot assisted for for a point like you could add that or the shot number of shots in the game they got six over under it's like okay well who normally shoots well you could distribute those points around like that but i mean that isn't that 
that isn't very efficient to do, especially when you can't even you can't even allocate anything until an hour before the game to begin with. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. It sounds really, really hard. Um, I, I do think that when when you get into things like that, there is and, and that's that's why sports like NHL and sports like soccer and sports like MLB, that's why they're so they're so lucrative to people that understand game theory rather than understanding just how to use projections. Because you have to have an understanding of like, okay, well, this guy who is 4,900 and plays fullback uh, is on a team where like they don't actually do anything with their fullback, but he's cheap and he is in the optimal and people are going to play him. Uh, So he's going to be like 22% owned or something. But then there's this guy who's 4,700 who plays on a team that does the same kind of stuff. He's going to be 2% owned. So like, obviously you and I would take a 2% owned guy, but you know, the, the public's going to take the the 22% owned guy or whatever. So that there's a lot that when you are dealing with higher variants, when you're dealing with these random outcomes and when you're dealing with things that you can't um, consistently and reliably project, that's when game theory is so much more valuable. That's why I like MLB so much It's because like, yeah, you have the Dodgers and you have Trevor Bauer on a three-game slate and people are like, oh yeah, I got to play Trevor Bauer and I got to play the Dodgers. They're up against the Rangers who suck. And then the Rangers put up 12 runs uh, and just shatter Trevor Bauer and in, in 89% ownership. So there, there's so much value in something like that, where if you can look at it and, and be objective and you don't have these biases against certain teams or players or outcomes you can make a lot of money. Um, just, just living even a slightly contrarian lifestyle. You don't even have to be absolutely insane. Like the other day referencing that, that three game slate where Trevor Bauer and the, and the Rangers were on it, like that slate, you needed the Rangers, but realistically, all you had to do was just like not play Trevor Bauer in that instance on a three game slate. And you, you could eat all the rest of the chalk. It doesn't matter. Cause he's 90% owned. If he gives up three runs, and only has four strikeouts, like count your money. You know, you, you have already made the right decision. So but people find it hard. People find it hard psychologically to do yeah. that because there it's this, it's the same thing that we say in the course, you win money in DFS in the long run, not by playing the most probable outcomes, but by playing the less probable outcomes that are giving you a better payout. Right. So like, in the case of that three-game slate, if you if you stack the Rangers and faded Bauer, you're gonna lose ninety percent of the time. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. gonna lose ninety percent of the time. But the ten percent of the time that you win, you win fifty thousand dollars. I mean, like right. you win a lot. So which is more beneficial for you? To it's very easy. That's the easy leverage point. Now you could play Bauer and then play Dodgers and try to get different and try to get the nuance. But that's what a lot of other people are gonna do. You know, on a three-game slate where Bauer's 90% owned, that if you just fade Bauer and he bombs, you have a shot at first place. Like, you don't have to think past that. Because once you fade Bauer, feel free to build your lineup any way you want. Don't worry about what whatever the best projection, whatever, 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 whatever do whatever you want, right, at that point. And if Bauer puts up a 34-point game, then you, then you lose. Okay, you move on to the next game and find that, that next at 90%, that, and that's that's the core of DFS. Not, maybe not at 90%, but you have to look at a player. You have to look at a team. 
You have to look at a lineup construction and go, well, you know, should I be playing Acuna at 27% ownership on the slate? Should I be playing alongside Shane Bieber at 42% owned? And like, is that official? Should they be this disowned versus other players? And then if it's like, if you find that you have ones that are egregious, then you just go, well, if I just X these two guys out and build a lineup, it's like, if, as long as those two guys, you're, you're playing for the two guys to bomb more so than your lineup to succeed. Cause that's the only, and once those two guys bomb, like now you, now you have a shot at first place, but like if the guys that bomb are 6% owned, like you're not passing them in people, but people have psychologically hard time doing good chalk, bad chalk. We talk about that in the course. There's no, that that's descriptive after the, after the fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause that, well, they, they want immediate results. They'll, oh, I, I fade, I, I faded Bauer, played the Rangers. Uh, he puts up eight innings, 14 strikeouts. And it's like, oh, you're an idiot. It's like, yeah, but you, you get to play DFS tomorrow. And the next day, and the next day, and the next day. Like, just put yourself in the position to get first place with plus EV lineups. Knowing you're going to lose 90 plus percent of the time. But when you win, you win more money. It's like, well, I would like to cash more often. It's like, okay. Feel free to play those min cash type lineups. See me at the end of the year. You'll feel like you've won. And you'll see that like, oh, you're, you're minus 8%, right? This is a thing called rake. So that's going to bleed you dry. So you're going to look and you're going to feel like you've won. You Oh, I came in eighth in one contest. Like eighth? Eighth is a set of steak knives in these contests. What are you kidding me? I oh, came in eighth once. Oh, I came in 14th another time. Okay, I was close. I'm getting there. And you look at the end of a whole six-month baseball season, you're down 8%. Oh, great. You have the stories, but you just you didn't cash enough lineups because you're not going to cash enough lineups. And you barely, you have, you have two top 20s and 150 slates. Like, you're playing badly. Like, oh, you're not playing awfully, right? You're not, you're not losing 70% of your money or anything like that. But still, that... To me, that's the easy, that those, if you play that way, that's, that's who I exploit. It's not the, it's not the bad, bad, bad players that, you know, who knows how they put together their lineups, the bottom 10% of the contests, the players that, oh, got it. I mean, if you did it yesterday, you crushed it. <laughs> I'm saying if you played the Blue Jays and the Astros yesterday as, as chalk, uh, uh, congratulations. I mean, sometimes, sometimes that happens. Sometimes the chalk just, Smashes the hell out of it. Um, well, but and yesterday, I, I mean, as soon as Marcus Semyon hit that home run, it was after Teoscar Hernandez and Lourdes Gurriel. Like those two hit home runs, and it's like, whatever. Like it, it doesn't matter really in the grand scheme of things. Like those guys are not going to be in the winning lineup, maybe well, at that blue, point. unless they're in a Blue Jay stack. Once they start hitting six of them, right, right. But I'm getting to that, like. Those two guys, you don't, you're not even tilting yet. Like home runs happen, whatever. If two right. home runs happen and then they don't score anymore, like the, the Blue Jays chalks up. Right. But once Vlad hits a home run. Once Vlad or once Simeon or once Bichette, like once there's three home runs on a team, then like I instantly went in the discord. It's like, well, there's chalk bomb. Like it, and at that point for me, like if 20% of the field now has three home runs, 
You're dead. Like my, my chances have diminished down to like below a 1% chance of me doing well on that site at that point, because I'm now competing with at least 20% of the field or at least like 18% of the field. If you consider that some guys didn't have that combination, but whatever, like once those things have happened, once the chalk has hit, once 20% of the field now has enough to win a GPP, I pretty much like don't even check my lineups for the rest of the night because that, because there's so little chance of me doing well with the way that I play that if 20% of the field, and then once the Houston chalk went off, it was like 35% of the field or something like just, you're just on it tomorrow. It doesn't matter. You're right, just on Those tomorrow. are the high scoring slates. Like when you, when you see the winning score in FanDuel was 372. It was hilarious. MLB. It was hilarious. It was like 269 on DraftKings. Right. That used to take down basketball GPPs. Like, <laughs> yeah, but that's not a. This is this. You can't judge by absolute numbers. No. So people will be like, oh, I put up a lot of because that that on those types of slates, it's you get the I put up 180 points and didn't win. Right. Right. And didn't cat. Yeah, because it's all the the two chalk stacks just they didn't just hit. They went <laughs> nuclear. So, but you didn't gain anything. It's like, oh, I played, I, if you played Blue Jays Astros yesterday and you came in, you could have came in like in on, on either side uh, in 200th place with that type, with a 4-4 of that lineup, not having the right piece. You'd have a different piece or whatever. You have a 4-3-1 or a 5-3 on draft. You could have still came in 200th place. So it's like, we constantly preach the fact that it's easier to win low scoring slates. So you got both that you got everything right. And you still came in 20th place. That's still not enough. So it's like, do you want to try to be eat the chalk and be perfect? Like you need the, you need the nuts even close closer to the nuts when the chalk hits. Cause everyone starts having the same points as you. When the, when the chalk fails, there's so many more paths to first place. Yeah. You don't need, you don't need, like, uh, when the chalk fails and some 1% own guy hits two home runs, you don't even need him. Like, you literally don't even need it. You look and you go, oh, well, you know, Pat Baleka, two home runs, you know, against against Glasnow or something like that. It's like, dude, he's like 0.4% owned. It's like, you're not going to, you're not going to need him. Like, you, you don't even have to worry about that. So it's like, you could win in so many different, you could, Oh, the, the highest the highest scoring team on the slate is seven only seven runs. It's like, dude, you could win with the team that scored five and team that scored four and put it all together. But the the Yankees who were chalk got blanked. I it's think like, okay, then then just as long as you found enough enough points, you, you're sitting there. We have winning lineups on those low scoring slates sometimes that have a zero in it. That have think- have a zero and a three in it in the winning GPP lineup. My favorite thing that I've ever done was take down a GPP with Chris Archer having negative nine points. Negative nine. On DraftKings? Yeah, on DraftKings. There was one, I think, two years ago on FanDuel in the large field GPP. Yeah, I I remember that. down with a negative three on, like, which is, like, FanDuel, at least least on DraftKings, you have to play two pitchers. I could see that, okay, a negative pitcher, but having a negative pitcher on FanDuel and still winning a GPP? I don't remember who it was. I I, th- I want to say it was two guns, but I I don't remember off the top of my head. But right, it was, but it was like, some. I, I remember because that was a friend. Like wow, minus three a pitcher. And he's it was one. so funny. It was so funny. But that that's the thing. 
And like you just said, it, when you eat the chalk, everything has to go right for you. Everything. And like you feel when, when you have like the 30% on Blue Jays that put up 17 runs, you know, like, woo, yeah, everything's going awesome. And you're, you realize that you're not even cashing. Like, why are you selling? Like, I, I said yesterday in the Discord, and like, of course, that there are people probably, even in my community, even after I preach constantly the stuff that we teach in Theory DFS, there's probably still people in my Discord that think I'm an idiot because yesterday I said I wouldn't touch the Blue Jays except for his secondary stack because I knew that they were going to be so heavily owned. And I, I said it and I did it. I had 10% Blue Jays secondary stacks and I got crushed yesterday. Or you could play the Blue Jays, just make sure those lineups are, are left. You have to. That's why that's why I have secondary sacks. That's why I have secondary sacks. And it also turned out that uh, you didn't even need to make them leverage. You had to make them leverage in one spot, and that was a pitcher. Right. But my models had all the chalk pitchers as the guys who were projected well. So when I look at that, I'm like, okay, well, I know that I'm going to be on the chalk pitchers. I I know that I'm going to have them. So I can't eat the Blue Jays chalk. I can't eat. But if you were, if you were, if you were willing to play other pitchers, then you'd have more, you'd be right. more willing to have five man, four man, five man Blue Jays. Right. You just have that, to. Be that's, able to that, find... that's the whole lineup's not players thing. Like I just want to yeah. highlight, it's not like oh, if you played the Blue Jays yesterday, you're an idiot, even though they scored 16 runs. It's like no, like you either have to be, you have to be perfect, and, and perfect, you still have to get enough leverage. So you needed, you like on Fanduel, you needed Nola over Bieber or Rodon. Right. Yesterday. So, but that was the differential. And then playing like Biggio in the in the in the Blue Jays four man for positional purposes over like Altuve or you know like like because you need you, you like you needed that perfect four 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 three one type of combination on Fanduel that like in order to score three hundred seventy two points. And actually, at, uh, at some the person that won is actually in uh, in the bat Discord, so. That's how I know that that lineup scored 372 points. Cause I right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but like, I, I don't want to try to win the slates where you need to, in MLB where you need to score almost 400 points. No. Like it just like, I, I just lose. I just lose. Yeah. I, yes, I, have no pro- I have no problem yesterday. If I played yesterday, which I didn't, I probably would have had very little full stacks of the blue, J- of the blue Jays and the Astros. Right. I would add them as one offs. I would have them three man, you know, like that's what I did wandering around or whatever, but probably, especially on FanDuel one pitcher side, I would have played. Yeah. Maybe I would have played some Nola. I would have been lower on Bieber and Rodon, but still played plenty of them. Right. In general. So like, I know yesterday that if I, if, if I played, I would, I would have lost and I'm fine with that. Yep. I I mean, the thing I didn't play, I would have lost. Right. I mean, like, (laughs) right. But I, I, but that's what I do every day. So when, when there are, there are more days, James, where the top two stacks fail than when the top two stacks succeed together. Mm-hmm. But everyone remembers the time where oh, but the top two stacks did great. I got to keep on playing the top two stacks and hopefully getting the right exact piece to win first place. And me, I'll just I'll just sit there and I'll just I'll just sit and keep on building my pirates lineups and my. Uh, Marlins, my, my Mariners stacks and, and Baltimore you know, every once in a while. I mean, like whatever, whatever, you know, mid range. Oh, the, 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 this team is going over. Oh, the A's are going over. Oh, but they're playing this and okay, well, it'll be 2% on. Let's, uh, 
hopefully they put up 11 runs today. Like that's an easier way for me to win first place than, like, yeah. oh, everyone, everyone's playing, everyone's playing the Twins against the desk can, right? Nelson Cruz is 32% owned on FanDuel because he's 3,300 facing a lefty. It's like, those are, to me, those are easy. Yeah. You just, you just, you barely play any Nelson Cruz. And if he hits a home run, you just close your laptop. You just move on, man. Right. Okay. So, uh, so you're going to build me a soccer model then? Do you agree to it, right? You're going to build me? <laughs> I, uh, yeah, man, I'll take a shot. As soon as NBA is over, I have so much more time. And like, obviously, we got to start getting, getting ready for NFL here pretty soon. But like, as soon as, uh, as soon as NBA is over, man, and NBA and NHL, that's what's holding me back from new models. So I don't know. Screw it. We'll, we'll play around the soccer lineup. Maybe we'll build a nice little nice little uh, random forest model, and we'll just we'll play around. Do, do it for the Premier League. Do, do it for the start of the Premier League. When does that start? Uh, Mid-August. Mid-August? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I can get that done. And also, it's, 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 club, it's club football. So, like, there's yeah. data. There, there's historical... Regular teams like the the clubs don't turn around that often. Yeah, national yeah, well, teams barely. National teams play like six times a year. Yeah, well, we'll maybe get you could, maybe out. you could do it. Okay, and then we'll, we'll see see if you see if you could uh, see if you could be what you do. You build your own model, and then we play head downs. There, yeah, okay, cool. Let's do it, and we'll you see. Build your own Premier League model. model, and every Saturday, because I typically only play the Saturday slates for Premier League. Yeah. I'll play without it like I normally do my cash games without, without the use of it, like an, a median or whatever. And you just, and you have to play the, whatever the mean optimal out of your projections are. Deal. Let's do it. Okay. Down. We'll do that. Okay. Love it. Hit the thumbs up button on the way out the door. Thumbs up. Hit the subscribe button. If you're new here, hit the notification bell to know when we go live. We've got uh, MLB Grinders Live coming up later today. James, uh, people can find your stuff. Paydirt dfs.com paydirt underscore dfs on twitter and the theory of daily fantasy sports 15 hour audio dfs masterclass at theory of dfs.com we got a we got a we got a big slate we got 13 games on a monday that's pretty good uh do we have confirmed pitchers I, okay well we'll take a look at it we'll review it tomorrow because that's what we do here on the dfs pregame show on roto grinder dot com.